On this week's episode, we are delighted to welcome Sarah France to the show. Sarah is a wedding photographer from San Diego who has built an amazing team of photographers to form France Photographers. This week, Sarah is going to share with us how she built her team and what is involved if you're thinking of expanding your studio team. Plus, we'll break down WPPI and share our experiences from this year's conference and expo in Las Vegas. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined back in the co-host chair by Mr. Robert Evans. Good morning. Good morning. I feel like we just I've saw each other. Show. I've, I've missed you, <laughs> right? Haven't I? Yeah, we've missed you for a couple of shows. And uh, Brian is away this week. Uh, he and his wife are off having a, a baby. Well, his wife is having the baby. He is there supporting the, the baby process. So, how many how many babies is that for them now? Um, I believe I believe that is going to be their second. Second. Okay. Yeah. So Brian's taking a little time off as he should to to deal with family stuff. So hopefully we'll get him back on a future episode. Now we were supposed to be joined by uh, by Sarah France this week. Uh, hopefully she will jump in uh, in the middle of the call. She's kind of a little MIA at the moment. So but if she doesn't join us, that's fine. We're going to uh, have a little bit of a debrief here today. Robert and I just got back uh, last week from uh, WPPI in Las Vegas, the annual photo convention and expo for wedding and portrait photographers. So we're going to have a little fireside chat about our experiences at WPPI this year, what, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, you know, talk to Robert about a wedding that he shot at WPPI, so all kinds of good stuff. But before we get into that, um, we want to remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several different ways to interact with us. First, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. There you will find the show notes for each episode, which contain links to everything we talk about on the show. Uh, if you have a question or a suggestion for a topic that you'd like to see us discuss on a future episode, you can email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you prefer using these social media outlets like Twitter, uh, just add the hashtag twipwed to your post and we'll keep an eye out for your posts. And if you want to follow us, uh, we're on Instagram. I did some posting at WPPI, hey. so... Yay, now that Instagram has that uh, multiple accounts feature, it makes it much easier uh, to share some stuff out. So we posted up some fresh content from uh, WPPI. So head on over there. Uh, we're at TwipWed. Uh, and we also have a Facebook group. Lots of great discussions happening there, questions and uh, people sharing their work. So head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash TwipWed. And that's it. Let's jump into the show. So you and I both, uh, both just got back. We spent a week in... Fabulous Las Vegas uh, and at WPPI this year. So what what number WPPI was this for you? Well, so I don't know the absolute first year that I went because but I think it was 1990. So this is about this is about my 25th or 26th WPPI in a row. Um, but again, the caveat is I'm not exactly sure the first year that I went. It was all a blur that first year. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I was just you know it was for the first, I worked for three studios before I started my own business, and it was the first. It was the second studio that, that I worked for, so I, that's why I think it was about 1990. Very good. And where was the very first one held? Was it wasn't at the MGM? No, the brand. first one I attended was at the Rio. The Rio at the Rio for uh, several years. Um, and then I believe it moved to the Steamboat Hilton for a little bit. And then it moved 
to Bally's and then from Bally's, um, I guess to, we did it one year at, at, um, the Tropicana. I believe that was in 2002 because they were in between contracts and then I believe it moved to MGM and it's been there for a while. And next year now it's moving again and they're moving it to the convention center. Um, so I don't think it can move past that unless uh, we get to Photokina size so we can go to Germany. But Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. That was an announcement that they kind of not a, I don't know if it was like an official this is happening, but it was it was everybody was talking about it is that, yes, it is moving yeah, next year. Signs Like it said, I, I took a picture. As a matter of fact, let me look on my phone um, of the sign because it gave the dates for Photo Plus and it. Uh, gave the dates for WPPI next year. That's right. And it's earlier too, isn't it in February next year? Like yeah, early February. Always fluctuates like that. Um, they'll have it early later. Okay. So here's my picture. Okay. So you guys put this on your calendar. Block it uh, in now. If you're on the East coast or you want to be on the East coast, October 20th through the 22nd is photo plus in New York at the Javits center. October 20th and the 22nd, 2016. And then um, next year, um, it says WPPI is February 7th through the 9th. So those are actually probably the trade show days. Right. Of course, yeah. WPPI opens before that. So February 7th through the 9th, 2017 at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Oh, so a bit earlier, almost, almost a month earlier. Um, than this year um, and a new a new venue. So tell me about the, I have never been to anything at the convention center itself. What, uh, what's been your experience? Have you been to anything at the convention I've center? Done, like, I think I went to PMA one year, which is over there. It's a much bigger space, of course. Um, everything will be in one room to my understanding. Uh, I believe there is a hotel that is attached to that. Um, that's kind of my, that's kind of my biggest Frustration, I guess, would be like if you have to like take a car to the convention center to go to the show. It's nice that the hotel and all the restaurants and everything are attached. I'm going to miss that at MGM, but I'm sure there's a whole new, uh, you know, plethora of new places and things to explore. And so, you know, stuff changes and life goes on, and we'll just go with it. Yeah, we'll see what happens, right? It's, it'll be a new experience for everybody and see what it's like. I think one of the things people were, um, liked about it is yeah everything's going to be under one roof so as far as far as the expo goes you won't have two separate um places to go see things because this you know at the mgm stuff was split up it was so so big that they were out of room in the one room so they had to split it over two rooms as far as the expo hall goes but i gotta say that was the only time that i managed to actually get outside and see sun see the sun when you when i had to make that little walk to the the outside part yeah <laughs> so but I think one of the, one of the, I'm concerned a little bit is without that hotel and stuff is a lot of the people that I ran into and saw and had, had those sidebar conversations with a lot of that happened outside of kind of the expo portion, right? It all happened at the hotel going to and from the restaurant. So do you think that that'll be affected? You know, cause I talked to a lot of people no. and they say that's where they get a lot of the, you know, work done or where a lot of the connections and networking happens is those in between, you know, as long it's still attached to a hotel, you know, I think that stuff will still happen. Or, you know, if it, if it weren't, people would just gather outside rooms. I'm sure there's lounges and lobbies and things like that where, where people can meet. Um, 
So, you know, when you're walking back and forth to your room, most people will be staying at the hotel that's associated with the convention. So you'll still have that aspect of it. Yeah, that to me is one of the more valuable aspects, I think, is just a lot of the people that you meet and a lot of the side conversations that you have and a lot of the networking that happens and, and goes on. Obviously, I mean, the show is great and there's a lot of information at the show and all the speakers and print competitions and photo walks and all of that is all fantastic, but a lot of the networking. So I, I did a lot of that this year. I mean, this was my second year going to WPPI. So I had, you know, kind of had a, a good feel for where stuff was and I'd seen some of the, you know, some of the exhibits and the expo and some of that. So I could spend a little bit more time networking and meeting people. And, and Frederick and I did a lot of, um, and we'll have a wrap up. We're actually going to have a landing page, which probably will have gone up by the time this show goes live. Um, but we recorded a number of interviews uh, on the show floor at the expo, talking to a lot of the key vendors. So we met with uh, like Sigma and Sony and Canon. Uh, we met with Fundy. We met with the folks from DGI uh, and just chatted with them about kind of what they you know, what they were showing at the show and what was new and what they had for products and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun and uh, met a lot of great people and made some good uh, connections with folks that we hope to have on future episodes of Twip Weddings as well. So that was another one of my goals uh, going there this year was, you know, meet some more people in the industry and, and try to get some more people uh, on the show for, you know, talk about different, different topics. So, okay. so what was your impression of this year's show? I know you were really busy you were speaking a lot at the sony booth and you also were as if that wasn't enough you were also shooting a wedding while you were there because why not yeah why not why not so this year as part of sony's party um they decided to make the party a big wedding reception what would you know twenty thousand well there wasn't quite that many what would fifteen thousand photographers want to do but uh be at a wedding reception and have a party which is kind of true because we don't ever really get to play we were always there working for somebody else that's true that was kind of the idea and they actually had a real couple get married because they didn't want to have models they wanted to make it you know exciting uh so there was a real couple that got married mike and jen and so i spoke this was on a, this party was Monday night. So I spoke two times in the Sony booth on Monday. I immediately jumped off stage, went, jumped in a cab, went downtown and, you know, shot all the pre things that you have to shoot when you shoot a whole wedding, even though most of the photographers and the people there only saw the ceremony during the party. I shot the getting ready and pictures of their families and of course them and, you know, all the stuff that leads up to that. So had you met this couple before um, prior to Monday or how did they, how did they book the wedding and how did they find this couple to shoot? Did they? Um, I believe Mike is a Sony ambassador. I don't know to what extent or what he does. Um, he did work for one of the companies involved in planning it, Blue Pixel. Um, and I think they were already going to be engaged. So it was kind of like, Hey, you know, you know, you guys want to push up your wedding a little bit nice, and get married uh, at WPPI. So that is exactly what they did. Um, and it was a great, you know, they were a great couple. They were fun. You could tell they were really in love. Um, and so I had a good time doing it. It was just a very, of course, long day by the end of the night at one in the morning or whatever time it was when I got home. Uh, but the ceremony was nice and it was challenging because of the ceremony, of course, if you're going to throw a wedding ceremony at a party with a bunch of photographers with cameras, then everybody feels the need to take photos. So right, the ultimate. you have it back at a church 
with uh, a bunch of people with iPhones, try yeah. a bunch of photographers with cameras that feel the need to take photos. But so the ultimate Uncle Bob gathering. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to see uh, some of the images that I shot and uh, the video that was done by iDynamics, which is a great video company out of uh, Indianapolis, uh, head over to the Alpha Universe site. So it's alphauniverse.com, which is Sony's site. And uh, there's uh, links there to my images as well as to the video. Awesome. Yeah, I met the videographers. There is a husband and wife team, correct? Yep. Amber and Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, I had a chance. They came up uh, and they recognized me at the at the Sony booth, actually. We were watching. We were kind of at the back watching you do your presentation. And, and they uh, came up and said, hey, are, are you that guy that does Twip Weddings with Robert? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and they were really nice and introduced themselves. So, I talked to them about possibly having them on a future episode to talk about uh, videography, um, wedding videography, because I think that's a topic that we've had a few people uh, ask us to do a show on. So it might be fun to talk to them about their yeah. experiences and, and their background as videography uh, people. So that's fantastic. So had you met the couple before uh, before Monday or was that no, kind of I your first? Of course, I Skyped with them, talked to them on the phone a couple of times. Um, and then, you know, basically walked into the room and said, hi, I'm Robert and hit the ground running. There we go. Did you find that? Um, Cause that's a bit different, right? From most, like a lot of your weddings, you kind of get that time up front to, to get to know your couples and maybe do an engagement session with them. You didn't do any of that with these guys. Did you find that that changed your, your, the way you approached the day at all or, or interacting with them or did it affect the day at all? Or, you know, with them, it kind of didn't seem to in that it just felt very natural. I mean, we'd had a few phone conversations of course, but yeah, I didn't do an engagement shit and shoot. I didn't even do, you know, I was saying, here, you're going to shoot this wedding. They didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. Um, but it was fun. Like, they were, like, really fun and easy to work with. Their bridal parties were fun. Their families were fun. Uh, so it felt very natural, you know, believe it or not. Yeah. So what was the biggest challenge with other photographers being around? Like I said, it was the, the ultimate Uncle Bob gathering, right, with all these other photographers there kind of grabbing shots. Did you find that uh, – you know, there were a few people in the aisle that were fine. Uh, really, the, my biggest complaint was there was some guy that was an absolute tool, and I will say that publicly. If you're listening to my show, you are an absolute tool because you did not think about anybody else. But um, the way the ceremony was set up, uh, there was a band behind where all the wedding stuff was set up. And, of course, there was... Um, uh, I forget what you call it, but screens or cloth up draping. That's the word I was okay, looking draping, for. Yep. And um, this person decided that uh, they needed to get behind the draping, which was more or less behind the bride and groom and the chuppah as it was a Jewish wedding. Right. And he was shooting from behind, but sticking his camera out. So he's pretty much in every single shot. Oh. Um, you know, the videographers complained about it. I saw him, I did my best to crop him out, but even like right at the kits, he really got in there. So he's in the, if you watch the video, you see the guy in the shot. So if you want to see what not to do, go to Alpha Universe and watch that video of the wedding. There will be the prime example. Well, that is unfortunate that that, that, that happens. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you did your best to try to, you know, get around it and, and, and work yeah. around it so but it is what it is too you know if you run into that situation you know if that happened you were at a real wedding and it happened to be a family member for instance which probably it is it's going to be a family member or someone close friends 
you know what? It is what it is. And, and I would say life lesson there, like don't get into confrontation with that person. Just do your best to cut them out and crop it. I mean, if they can see you, you can ask, you can wave them off and without causing the scene and say, move because you're in my shot. But other than that, it is what it is. It's not your fault. And what can you do about it? Um, yes, it's disappointing, but there's no need for you to get into a confrontation on a wedding day. But I never said word one to the guy. I was just like, you know, I was just disgusted and appalled that, you know, someone didn't have the common sense to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to roll with it. And that's just, you know, the reality of, of what it is. That's the, you know, I guess that's going to happen if you go to a wedding and there's like, like you say, there's a few thousand other photographers. Yeah, the very unique situation, but you know, there is, we've all been there. Everyone right now is thinking, Oh yeah, I've been at a wedding where someone did this. Um, and you know, if you can quietly and subliminally get them out of the way and make them aware of what they're doing, great. But otherwise it is what it is. And you know, when the bride and groom say something, say, Hey, he's not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's your friend or your family member that jumped in the photo. Yeah. Yeah. That's all he can do. And I'm That's happy to touch him out for a thousand dollars for you. <laughs> there you go. Opportunity, uh, an opportunity. So, um, what were your impressions at WPPI this year? I don't know how much of an opportunity you had with, you know, with shooting the wedding and being at the Sony booth, if you had a chance to kind of, uh, get out there and see much else of the show or explore the, the trade show or go to any of the presentations. Yeah, I had your... very, definitely no presentations. I had very limited trade show time due to my schedule. Um, but it seemed good. It seemed energetic. It seemed crowded. It seemed people were enjoying themselves. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, it's kind of real surface. I can't dig in too deep with it, but, um, you know, comparable to the other years, you know, it was great. I, I always have fun. Cause you know, I, I've been going a long time and I see people once a year that I don't get to see meet new people, you know, new experiences. Um, but I think it was great. I mean, they've done a good job every year of, you know, making it, uh, viable. I mean, I did a photo walk this year. Uh, for Sony, a lot of the artisans did photo walks and uh, mine happened to be, wasn't really a walk. It was a mini workshop in a suite and uh, we did a boudoir shoot. We had 20, 25 people and oh, awesome. um, that went really well. Um, you know, I asked at the beginning of the workshop, what do you guys want to learn so that um, I try to get a feel for what everybody else wanted and what they were after. Sony did supply um, A7R2s for people that wanted to shoot them and use them. So quite a few people took advantage of that to get the opportunity. And I would say there was a majority of the people were very interested in shooting the new cameras. And I, I had quite a few people that said they've never photographed boudoir before, which, and, and some younger females, which I was kind of surprised about. Um, so uh, I'd co-taught it with Jeff Berlin, uh, one of the other sodium artisans. And we just, you know, tried to answer and, you know, give them what they wanted, like talking to them about, you know, posing and lighting and, we had um, a couple different light sources there, of course, available. We had strobe and we had continuous uh, lights. So we utilized uh, all of those. And uh, overall, at the end, I asked everybody and everybody, you know, really had, you know, a couple of people said they'd like to see us shoot a little more, uh, which I think is hard to do. We had two models in two rooms. So Jeff and I did something together in the beginning and shot and then split up. Um, and... It's understandable. Um, I think, you know, in a perfect world, if I were to teach or charge for a workshop on my own for something like that, I'd like to have no more than maybe 10 people so that I could spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. 
Yeah, that's always a challenge in those kind of photo walk situations, right? Is you can only do so much teaching because I saw some photo walks that had, you know, just around the hotel, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people on them, right? And those are those are difficult situations to go into and and get much out of in terms of if you're, if you're going in there to get shots or anything like that, you're probably not going to probably going to be disappointed. You're probably not going to walk away with a ton. Um, I think those, you, you, it's all about observing and watching and seeing what other people are doing. But again, there's only so much you can do in, in a, in a bigger group situation like that. Right. So definitely the smaller, the smaller groups are always better, right? A little more intimate. You have more of that one-on-one time. So yeah. How long was the, the photo walk itself? I think we had about two hours. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's not too bad. It's enough to give kind of people a, a taste of things. Right. And yeah. And it was, I think the photo walks, I think they did pay for them, but they were $40, very inexpensive. Um, I think people got, you know, we try to give them as much value as we could, you know, in that two hours. And uh, I, th- I mean, overall, everyone was happy. One person said, Wait, I'd like to see you guys shoot a little more. And uh, understandable. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always going to be that, right? There's always, you can always, you can always want, leave them wanting more. So, right. You can always do a follow up. So, um, so, the uh, the expo itself, you said you know floor show uh, was was quite busy. That was my really the first the first two days. Uh, it seemed like the show floor was really really busy. It was hard to get in at some of the booths that I wanted to visit just because there was you know it seemed like there was tons of people at them. I found the third day was a little bit better. Um, wasn't quite as bad. We were able to actually go to some of the booths and spend a little bit more time talking you know, to some of the people at the booths, it wasn't quite as crowded come, come day three, at least in the second, you know, not the main hall where the big, you know, where Sony and Canon and those guys were, that seemed to still be pretty busy, but. And that is hard with the room split up, you know, like the bigger vendors, the camera vendors, you said were in the main hall and not that there weren't big companies in the back hall because there were, um, but you know, more non-camera type vendors. Um, I think you brought up like it just made me think of as a quick good WPPI tip and strategy for those of you who haven't been or that are thinking about going is, you know, on the first day, walk around the trade show, uh, look at the things you want. And like Bruce said, it's a little bit crowded, but make notes of the booths that you really want to go back to. And then on the second and third days, you know, go back and strategically hit those. So the first day you can kind of do a sweep of everything, see what interests you, make notes of that, and then go back and all right, I'm going to go talk to this booth and I'm going to go. And typically, like Bruce said, usually the third day is the most quiet, um, but it's a good way to approach the trade show. Yeah, for sure. And it's also, if you go on the third day, I find it's also a good way to um, save a little bit of money in terms of not making impromptu buying decisions. Because I think there's this temptation when you go, you know, everybody has some sort of a show deal or a show special or something like that, right? So there is some, you know, there's a bit of, oh, if I, if I get this latest gadget or this latest thing, um, it's going to make my photography better. And I, I would say probably more often than not, you're better off kind of really taking the information away and thinking about it before buying kind of on the spot. Yeah, you might save 20 bucks here, free shipping here. But, you know, if you don't use that thing afterwards, then you've probably just kind of wasted money. So if you go on the third day, a lot of times I found a lot of the places were sold out of whatever it was that they were offering. So it kind of took that, you know, cause I was going to buy something and then I went and they didn't have it anymore, but they were going to ship it. And I just, I kind of said, nah, never mind. I won't, I won't do it. So I ended right. up and, and looking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, I probably didn't really need that thing. It was more of a, of a, of a want than a need. So right. also made me think of another good tip. Now, not all the companies do this, but I've seen this before. Um, 
And last year, I actually had this experience. I was at a uh, a camera bag company. I'm trying to think what the name of it is. V- Vanguard? Is that a company? Mm, I haven't um, heard of that one before. It might, could anyway, be. They had a really nice camera bag. And it was like the last two hours of the last day of the show. They happened to be close to the Sony booth. And um, they were offering... Uh, a significant discount off the bag, but they wanted cash and I didn't have cash. I, would, I pulled my credit card. I'm, all, I'm in, yep. you know, it was sort of an impulse for me. Did I really need that thing? No, but I really like this camera bag. And uh, so you'll find a lot of companies might do that. And you can just ask like, Hey, are you offering, you know, cash discounts on the last day of the show? I, you know, I'd hit those things up the last hour or two of the show really strategically because they don't want to take that. They don't want to ship that stuff home. Yeah. So if you, um, you know, not everyone's going to do it, but you know, a camera bag or things like that, or, you know, you got to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's more costly for them to pack and ship all that stuff up, uh, than it is to, uh, you know, to sell it at a little bit of a discount and have you take it off their hands. Um, we interviewed the guys, uh, from JPEG mini, I don't know if you walked by their booth or saw their booth, but it was all, it was, uh, it was pretty smart the way they designed their booth. It was all made up of uh, file boxes, you know, cause you know, cause you want to bring, bring down the file size. So you're not s- storing so much. Right. So their whole booth was made up of file boxes. And then they, the way they did is everybody else around them were, was going to take the file boxes later to pack up all their extra stuff and take it home. So they didn't have to do anything to dismantle their booth. They just, uh, let everybody have a free for all and take all the boxes and get up their booth. I was like, that's pretty smart. Nice. Yeah. So, so anything else kind of jump out at you this year or, again, the bummer of not getting to, I, and I do enjoy walking around the show and seeing new things and, and, um, touching them and, you know, seeing what's new. Um, I did walk over to smart albums cause that's, you know, the album design software that I use that I really like. And, um, asked if there was anything new or upcoming and you know I have the latest version so right now no other than some you know bug fixes um, you know of course I'm involved with snapshots and you know we had a lot to do with you know that Sony party and you know that and so there's a lot of exciting things you know they just launched the um, Apple TV version of snapshots oh. so snapshots is now uh, mobile desktop and television but your clients will be able to view and order their images uh, on the TV too. So I think most people these days have a nice big television. So to be able to view their wedding images, portrait images, whatever it is on a big television and order right from there is uh, quite stunning. I know I have it on my TV and I'm, you know, I sit there and look at my work and go, wow, I'm really like this big. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that's kind of new and, you know, technology wise exciting um with more great things to come from them um but yeah i don't know what else i saw that i honestly just can't give it a fair shake because i wasn't out there and got to see everything like i i really would have liked to yeah it's tough to see i mean i feel like even though you know i wasn't speaking or anything like that i still didn't get to see half of the stuff that i wanted to see right it's a a long time but it's a short time at the same time trying to fit everything in and see everything so i had a chance to go to a few different uh, presentations which was really good um i i sat in on sue's uh keynote presentation did you get to go see sue bryce and her keynote i didn't see that 
It was really, really good. And I, I'm hoping that they recorded it and, uh, and publish it somewhere because uh, she really kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to kind of the overall state of the industry and kind of, uh, I felt uh, a big theme of this year's show was a bit of the pushback against the, the shoot and share and the shoot to burn. I think that's been, you know, ongoing for a while, but she really kind of drove it home with her talk on kind of the movement back towards, you know, in-person sales printing what we're creating, you know, and not just, you know, shooting and throwing them up on a, on a cloud gallery and, and, right. you know, kind of giving away our work and being almost dictated to or told by the public. She says, you know, a lot of the public, we think we, we there's this perception that we think we know what the public wants, but we're actually really wrong. Pe- people want prints. Um, she made a really good, she said that we're, you know, um, what was the phrase that she used? She said something about, we're not a digital generation. She said, we're a now generation or dealing with a now generation. And so she's moved over to um, all in-person sales. And what she does now is she uh, does something she calls a reveal wall. So she actually built a wall in her studio and she gets from a session, she will get them all printed and matted and puts them up you know, on the, on the wall. And that's how she delivers her images now to clients. And she said, it's not that they just want the digitals because she says that's kind of a misperception people yes they want the digitals but they want something tangible they want something now so she gets everything all printed up and done for them before they come in for their session and she does something called a reveal wall so that was really the kind of the thrust of her of her talk and and her keynote and it was really uh you know it was was pretty inspirational and it was uh i think a lot of people were were agreeing with her points that she made in her keynote. So that was, I sensed that there was a big movement. Epson, you know, we talked to the Epson people. They had a bunch of new, a new line of papers and a new line of some printers. Um, Canon had some new printers there that they were showing off. Um, there was, you know, a ton of album companies as there always are and printing companies. So, I, you know, I think that movement towards the printed image and the printed, you know, um, the printed photograph was a big uh, overarching theme of this year's WPPI. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I, I, cause I came from an era of film and that's what we did. And we went to digital and, you know, I've said this before, I think, you know, digital has done amazing things for photography in a lot of ways, but I think it's screwed it up in a lot of ways, you know, because it's devalued photography because everybody thinks they are one. Um, but there's still an art form to it. And, and, uh, I like that concept. I mean, it's sort of like, the philosophy I have in my concept. And if people don't like it, you know, no, I show you, uh, you know, the images in studio. I don't, I mean, wedding images, of course you put online, but my portrait sales and things like that, I do, you know, in person as well. And um, if that's what they, you know, I don't want that client that, you know, just wants me to shoot it and give them the digital files. Cause for me, there's actually no satisfaction. In it. And I think as an industry of the whole, which I get that that's what she was trying to do. If everybody stood their ground and made a policy. I mean, we're not a union, but if we had sort of union type of uh, rules and ideals that, hey, this is how every photographer works with, and we're a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family, this is how it is, then you take back control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there has to be kind of a level of almost a standard, right, that people reach. Um, and uh, so it's, yeah, it's always kind of tough, you know, when, when there's others that are kind of swimming 
kind of down, you know, swimming against the grain and doing things a different, a different way that's kind of undercuts and undervalues the whole industry. It brings the whole, it brings kind of the whole industry down. So I think there was a, a sort of a, a battle cry to, you know, kind of get things back to where they were, you know, several years ago. Cause there's a lot of people out there that are, it's tough times for a lot of photographers, right? There's a lot of photographers that are finding it really difficult to compete against that as well. Right. You just, and, but the point being, you can't, sustain a business long-term on that kind of a model. It might work for you in a short term, but you know, if you want to sustain a business and be a photographer like yourself who has been, you know, in it for what, 25 years or more, Seven. 27, you can't, you know, you can't do it off of just the shoot and burn kind of. And I approach. have, this is the absolute truth. I have supported myself full time on photography since I was 19 years old. Wow. That's uh, that's a rarity, I would say, these days. What would you say, just, you know, I don't, we haven't done any studies or anything, but what would your observations be in terms of photographers? What would you say the average lifespan of, because you've been in the industry a while, you've probably seen a lot of people come and go. What would you say a, a, an average would be? I don't know. That's kind of hard to say. I mean, I've seen, you know, I have friends that have been around for that long and, you know, you see people come and go. I've seen really great photographers give it up, you know, that I'm like, wow, you know, um, and I, I think, I don't know. I mean, you've seen people like three, four years, six, seven years, but I think really the necessarily, I don't know if it's the root of the problem, but I think one of the things is you just have to be able to change with the times and be malleable and, um, you know, things change and you can't sort of buck the system and, and, not want to do it. I mean, we were talking about giving away images. Now I don't like to give my images away, but I have rules around it. Um, you know, even with portrait sittings, you know, there's a certain minimum that you must spend before you get your images. Uh, you know, wedding images is kind of a tough one these days, but, um, my clients pay me a lot of money, so I don't really want to hold their images hostage, but I sort of make a rule like, well, you have to finish your albums and do all that stuff before I give them to you. You know, you have to sort of, make some rules up and, and stick to them. Um, so yeah, you're, and you're making sure that you're, you're fairly compensated for the work that you're doing. Right. 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 You can sustain a business, pay your, yeah. you know, put food on the and table. I'll, I'll give you an idea. Even in my quote unquote shoot and burn package, which is my least expensive package, I refused to do that. So the way I changed it, um, you know, so that I said, basically, you know, you get me an assistant, an engagement shoot. Oh, here comes Sarah. Hey. Engagement shoot. Hey. Just limping in. There she is. Late. Um, <laughs> but the way I changed that was I make my clients a book, um, 30 to 50 images, my choice, my design, and I get it to them within two to three months of their wedding. And we've talked about this before, but basically... Um, the way I see it is that I'm giving them a portfolio, but they do have something tangible going back to printing and giving them something. So they do get something. There is some value there. Um, and they're going to have a beautiful book that I'm going to pick 30 to 50 of my favorite images and make for them that now they're going to run around and show their friends. So basically I created my own marketing piece to give to them. 
Yeah, that's really smart. And like I say, WPVI is a great chance if you're if you if you aren't doing albums or anything currently. It's such a great place to go and check those out because I don't think it's tough to sell an album. Obviously, if you don't show one, that's the first and foremost. You have yeah. to you've got to show what you're going to sell. But I think uh, there's so many options out there nowadays. There's you know even from the album company that I use, um, you know I use Graphy Studio and they have so many options. Um, just being able to go to the show and see. And every year they're putting out new stuff and there's new materials and new products. Um, so being able to go to the show and actually touch them and feel them and get my hands on the product, um, you know, it helps me make decisions for my business about what do I want to offer my uh, clients. Maybe there's something new out there that I hadn't seen before that I want to incorporate, you know, as a product. So it's, it's great to have that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's sales 101. I absolutely agree with that and that. Yeah, I've seen new album companies that I've seen online and, oh, that book looks cool, but until I can touch it and feel it and see that it's exactly what I envisioned it or what I didn't envision it to be, you know, then it confirms that for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Was there anything else that you uh, wanted to share in terms of WPPI, your experience there this year, or anything else that you saw, any cool products that you might have had a chance to see that were in the well, area where you were? Of course, I haven't even plugged any of my own Sony products. Well, there was that. There was a lot of buzz around the Sony booth this yeah, year. A lot of people buzz around the Sony booth. Of course, they just announced the new A6300 <laughs> and then three new G Master lenses, the 24-70 the 85mm 1.4, and the 70-200 um so the 6300 and the G Master lenses, I believe, are on sale right now, or they definitely will be by the time you listen to this podcast. And the 70-200 comes out in May. Um, I did briefly get a chance to shoot the 6300 in Tucson the week prior to WPPI. Really impressed by it. I mean, it was already one of my favorite cameras. I used that camera to shoot my kids' sports, and I have actually taken it on the field and shot professional sports uh, with it. But wow, is it fast, and wow, is the new one even faster? Yeah, it just it's unbelievable. And for you know, the new one will be about a thousand dollars, but for even for a thousand dollar body, I, I tell people that when people say, "Well, what kind of Sony should I get?" I always ask, "Well, what do you shoot?" Um, because there are several different bodies, and you can kind of uh, choose around that. But um, if you bought the sixty three hundred, and you know, even a, I think there's a fifty five one eight. Sony Zeiss lens, which is supposedly the second sharpest lens in the world. Great portrait lens. I mean, you can get those for around $2,000 for the camera and uh, an L-series you know, Sony Zeiss lens. For $2,000, you can have a pretty amazing setup. Yeah. No, I had a chance to look at the Sony stuff, and uh, I did a uh, did a little photo walk, actually, with Erin Riddell, who's our director of operations, and had a chance to let me shoot with her Sony A7R II, I believe it was. Yep. And uh, I was I was very impressed. It's uh, they're very nice cameras. I also did get my hands on the 1DX Mark II uh-huh. at the Canon booth. I was quite impressed. Uh, yeah, the autofocus on that is impressive, and that's of course, the it's new, the, fairly expensive body. That's their new top of the line. Yeah, uh, it's about six thousand um, dollars. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a very nice piece of gear. I got to say, I was I was looking at it and I was like, hmm. <laughs> Do I need this? I don't know if I need it. But I tried to get them to give me some details on the 5D Mark IV, but I got nothing. Yeah. I tried nothing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, can I mean, 
Oh, can you, I can you hear me? Hey, there she is. Sarah France, everybody. That lovely voice you're hearing. We can't see me quite yet, but we definitely we can hear. We can't see Sarah, but we can see Sarah. So Sarah France has joined us on the show, and it, we've been meaning to get Sarah on Trip Weddings for, for a while. I don't know why it hasn't happened up till now, but finally at WPPI, we reconnected um, and had a chance to convince Sarah that, that uh, she should get get on Twip Weddings. So here she is. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to be a part of this group. Of course, I, I know you both. I've known Robert for years, and it's so exciting to kind of be on a podcast together. Yeah, we've been remiss in not having you on, so it's, it's, it's good, to get to, good to get you on, and we want to get you on at future shows as well, because we need, uh, we need a, a, another female voice on this show, I think. So. <laughs> Well, let's hope I make it through the show without hacking up a lung. Like I'm still, I'm still sick from post WPPI. I'm sure everyone comes back with with a little something. I actually showed up to the show feeling sick, and it's still hanging in there for some reason. <laughs> oh, Robert and I talked about that before we started recording. Hey, Robert, you you had something beforehand? Yeah, well, I was. I've had something for probably it seems like a month now. I was in Tucson for a week, like I mentioned before, WPBI and doing a Best Buy training for Sony and, you know, I was sick and, you know, I'm, I'm, I still feel better, but um, I don't feel 100%. Like it's not out of my body yet. Yeah, no, I think everybody picked up something there. So but for those who don't know, those who don't know Sarah France, uh, so if you've listened to TWIP, the regular TWIP show, you've probably heard Sarah on. But um, for those who don't know Sarah France, why don't you go ahead, Sarah, and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who is Sarah France. Okay. Um, I'm a wedding photographer based out of San Diego. I've been shooting weddings for, uh, well, I guess 15 years now. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and I really just started kind of working as a weekend warrior and doing doing that sort of thing and then um, I was still working full time and I actually went to work for a company called Pictage who you may have heard of um, back yes. when they first started we were like in a tiny little building and um, with an ocean view I don't know who does that as a startup but it was it was a really great kind of experience to be a part of that and have my own business and meet so many people through through that. And then we moved on obviously to going, working for myself full time and having my own studio. And then um, just about three years ago now, uh, we started the associate business. So we started France Photographers. That's always been Sarah France. And then we started the France Photographers brand. And now I have uh, two other photographers that work on my team in San Diego and one in Austin, Texas currently too. That is fantastic, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to get you on today as well, is to talk a little bit about how you how you built that team, um, and and just that was your top one of your uh, talks at WPPI this year uh, yeah. was kind of how you went about building that team. So you so this was your is it your fifteenth year you said at WPPI. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I is fourteen because I missed one. Okay. <laughs> there was like one in the middle there somewhere. So Robert has us all beat though. Still at twenty? Oh, is what? it twenty-five? At least twenty-five. No way. Yep, I think really? I went to my first WPPI in nineteen ninety. How many have they had? Do you know? You know, I went to the awards. I actually presented at the award ceremony, but um, he, Jason put up a slide in the beginning uh, of all the past brochures from the past. And I didn't quite see, like, and it had jumped around, I think, a little bit in the beginning. It wasn't always in Las Vegas, but 
Um, yeah, it's been a while. I forget what they said, but I want to say I, I don't even know. I'm not even going to try. But okay, <laughs> we don't want to misquote. But most importantly, did he buy you that shot of silver Patron for your 25th WPPI anniversary? No, I didn't. <laughs> did get that silver <laughs> shot, Jason. Dang it! I don't think I probably would have needed it, but. <laughs> So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your experience at WPPI this year. What uh, what was your what were some of the highlights for you? Robert and I already kind of shared our <coughs> experiences at WPPI this year. What were some of the highlights for you? Well, the interesting thing about WPPI when you when you've been going for so long is it changes a lot of what you do and what you want to see, and you kind of get a little more hyper focused because you've seen a lot of stuff um, from previous years. And I've I always, because I'm doing speaking and at booths and just a lot of activities, I, I miss going to any classes, which I feel like is so sad because they're so fun and inspirational and you, there's something you can learn from any, from everyone. So I did actually make it to a couple classes this year, which was really, really great um, and really fun. We went to Justin and Mary's class on Sunday because there was a lot more availability for me that day and they did a great job they always do so um it was really neat to be there with my whole team kind of they were talking about lighting which is a more technical thing but of course uh if you've seen justin and mary speak they always do a great job of inspiring and i think that was a really great thing of seeing the combo of something technical but understanding why you needed to learn the technical and attaching something almost emotional to it. So uh, they did a great job with that. And the show itself, we really wanted to see a a few certain things. We went in, uh, talked about specifically what things we wanted to get out of WPPI as a team before we got there. And we kind of just divide and conquer. And a couple of the things we picked up, um, we were really struggling with what we were going to do with our websites moving forward, especially adding on Austin and wanting everything to look really streamlined and great. And so we went looking for websites and we had, we had looked at Squarespace and we had looked at a few others. Of course we could go with a custom design, but my problem with custom design for, for us is that things are just moving and changing too quickly and it becomes a really expensive endeavor if if we're continually saying, okay, we got to add a whole new photographer. We have to add a whole new site for them and rebound bars. So we really need something that we can adjust and move with. So right. we looked at Show It, Show it sites, um, which we use currently for some stuff, but their new launch of, of, I think, is it five or six? Yeah, I think it was Show It 5. I think that they launched. Five. Yeah. Yeah, so Show It 5 was been fantastic and really what we were looking for so we're excited to kind of jump in and get that going because with even even with Squarespace that we love it was super simple and really great but it was like too simple there were things that we wanted to do customization wise that just weren't available and um, really mobile the mobile side of things was a problem and mobiles as we know now, the most important part of your website in most cases. So yeah, we're trying absolutely. to make sure the mobile looks perfect and then desktop actually is secondary. That's awesome. Yeah, I think definitely going in with goals ahead of time before you go to the show is, is important because otherwise you can yeah. go and it's easy to go and sort of just get swept up all, in all of it and then five days goes by and then you realize that you didn't 
accomplish anything. So, you know, having totally. goals ahead of time is, is definitely important. So, Robert, do you still, I know you go and you speak a lot, right? So do you go in with, with some goals for it? Other than this year, I obviously had a wedding to shoot. So that was, you want to probably come up with some good images and do a good job for the couple. But were there any goals that you set before WPPI this year? Yeah, they're called survival goals. Survival goals. <laughs> how am I going to make it through? <laughs> yeah, how am I going to make it through? Um, yeah. a, a very important goal that I set for myself is a 2 a.m. bedtime. And how often did you stick to that? <laughs> no later. Well, there was actually a first this year. This is a WPPI first. You ready? Drum roll. Drum roll. Robert Evans slept 10 hours one night at WPPI. Wow. Wow. Which is unheard of because there was one year where I slept 12 hours in four days. And that's not like passed out at the bar 10 hours sleeping, right? That's actual <laughs> in bed. <laughs> that was, you know what I had? I think it was the night after the wedding and uh, something it was Tuesday night because Wednesday morning I had my, my workshop or my photo walk and uh, I went to bed at night and slept till about 7 in the morning. Wow, nice. Yeah, I was pretty low-key this year with the parties. I didn't go to really many of the parties and stuff this year, um, you know, because we were out busy and we were interviewing all day and on the show floor, and I was pretty exhausted. So, I'll, you know, I'd have a good dinner, and then I was ready for bed each night. So, Sarah, how about you? Did you partake in any of the extracurricular activities? I did. I think I was a little more used to not getting sleep since I'm a one-year-old. But um, at, at this point, even though every WPPI I have been – has been a struggle to get any sleep as well. So we did pretty good this year. It was a good balance. I think having an 8.30 a.m. class on one of the nights just forced me to actually get some sleep one night at least, and that was right in the middle. So that worked out great. Otherwise, yeah. it was, you know, five, six hours, and you're, you're good to go. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your uh, class that you did this year. So you had a, a platform class, correct? I did. And yep. so I, I, I stole the description from the WPPI site, and this is what they had written about your session. So it said, uh, um, when Sarah wanted to expand her business to include associate photographers, she found the word associate was perceived negatively by clients. Determined to see her associates thrive, France redefined the landscape of expanding to other photographers while maintaining the personal client experience that defines her brand. So I want to talk to you a little bit about just the the word associate and kind of how you've gone about building your team. So you mentioned that kind of within the last three years is when you've brought on other photographers to shoot under the France photographers kind of brand. So they're kind of representing your photography brand. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that, the, the I guess the genesis of that, where did that begin? Well, it's always, it's always an evolution and I think it begins where a lot of people um, where a lot of it begins, where you are turning away weddings and you're wondering why you're doing that. So that a lot of time is, is where those types of team structures begin. And I had a photographer who had started as, um, working with me as an intern and then moved to studio manager uh, position and she was still shooting on her own. Extremely talented, a, a great studio manager, had kind of all the pieces that I would look for in somebody that I would choose to represent me. And I kept turning away weddings that were in her price range and eventually she said, you know, hey, how would you feel about sending these to me? And Honestly, the issue for that became con control a little bit, of course, but I think more so I was just nervous that she wasn't really set up properly to 
to handle that. And I wanted to, I really wanted to help her. Um, because there's a lot when you're first starting your business, there's even, you know, I'm not even sure where she was with like business license and sales tax and all of that kind of stuff that you have to have to have a legitimate business. And then on top of it, just all the processes and stuff, um, in place. And so I thought about it for a little while. And then, um, I talked to some of my friends who were, who were doing associate businesses at the time. And, and then I had a really tough sit down conversation with her because in this conversation, I had already made up my mind that if she was going to shoot for me as a studio, I wanted her to be exclusive, which meant not doing her own and shooting with me on this, on the side as well. Um, to me, that never feels like a good place to be because you're a lot of times just setting yourself up for failure in that space because that person's always going to be looking to better their business, move on, um, and, and leave kind of the associate structure that right. you they want to, they want to leave the nest. They want to get, get the, yeah. get all the worms, get, you know, that healthy yeah. and then fly away and leave the nest. So as an owner that didn't really, you know, feel great. Um, and I didn't want to start something in that kind of negative light. And I, I knew that we could be a really great team and that I could help her. Um, and that she'd be really happy in, in the situation if I could set it up properly. And then, we spent the next probably six months really flushing out what that meant. And to be honest, like I, I credit a lot of what we built to Jessica's input and to Rachel's input as well, because we brought Rachel on about six months after that. But even that was Jessica's idea really. So we've really built this structure as a team. And I think when you build it as a team, you have a much better idea of what the person who's working as part of the team wants. I mean, if it, if basically you're building a structure and just telling them kind of this is how it is, take it or leave it, then they don't have a lot invested and there can become some like animosity and situations like that too. So, yeah, so they developed a bit of sense of ownership over it. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Robert, I want to ask you, you, you worked for some other studios, right? Were you, was it an associate type um, set up or were you just more of an employee of those studios or how did that, how did that work? Yeah. I mean, that was a much different time in photography. Um, I basically started out at my first studio that I worked for, you know, just as a, employee not even with the intent of actually shooting I wanted to get into photography because I knew I wanted to shoot but then I was basically sorting negatives and putting albums together and things like that and then I was asked to if I wanted to go out and assist the photographer on the weekend and really assisting back then I mean we were shooting weddings with Hasselblads was basically carrying a film bag um, you know I learned how to change film bags in a Hasselblad but anyway, fast forward, you know, I started shooting weddings for that company, um, but I was an employee of that company, and all of the three companies that I worked for, uh, it was the same thing. The second one, I was one of five photographers, and then the last one, um, I actually kind of had a few people work under me because I was the manager of two studios, but those companies were set up from the beginning. Uh, more or less to have different photographers and each photographer had his own individual um, 
profile. We didn't back then. There were no websites either, uh, so the people would come into the studio and view albums of that particular photographer. And you did mostly very local work. You know, people heard about you through, uh, you know, caterers and planners and florists, and you networked like that, like we still do today. Um, but of course, you have the web in there now that you know can bring you business from wherever. Yeah. So Sarah, with your uh, with your team that you've built now, um, so you've got three partners mm-hmm. working yep. under under your brand. Uh, so two of them are local where you're located, correct? Yep. And then you've just added one recently in another in another state. Yes. So how did that kind of come about? The you know the to expand because obviously adding adding team members locally would be a jump for a lot of photographers, right? And you right. mentioned a lot of the issues around that. Does it is it magnified by the fact that now you're dealing with somebody who's in a completely different location? And how does that, how does the logistics of that work in terms of who meets with the client, who, where do the bookings come from? Where is all that come into play yeah. when you're dealing with somebody in a different geographic region? Absolutely. It has, a, it definitely has new challenges for sure. Um, and it's changed some of the structure of certain things and how we, how we do things mostly when it comes to the structure of our, of our, of our pay and kind of, how things are doled out because with each photographer I've learned that there's different talents that they have and different things that they want to do on the wedding after and and prior that um, we want to make sure we can allow them to do the things they want to do and cover the things that they don't want to do. So we've really structured it out um, specifically for each individual task to say for each task there's a certain dollar amount um, that is assigned to that. So if you are going to be doing the culling for a wedding, for the wedding, you get X amount of dollars. If you are going to be doing the post-production, you get X amount of dollars. So we use Shoot.Edit to do the majority of our post-production, but there is still some in-house stuff that we're doing. But I'll, I won't dive totally into the financial side because it ended up being probably a good almost half of my presentation right. because I really do feel like it's an important piece of it. But, um, but I think more so with dealing with another photographer outside the state, there's, there are different things that I'm able to bring to the table and things that are a little bit harder. I mean, I'm going to be traveling out there quite a bit throughout the year to really help her develop relationships. Um, but a lot of it that I'm doing is, long distance. It's, you know, emails, uh, to different venues, like different, the things that we would do here, but long distance and setting up appointments further out and things like that, all stuff that she can really do. But I want to make sure I'm there to kind of help develop those relationships and leads. Um, but there's also a lot of things involved in building a business that we're doing to help, her business thrive that just have nothing to do with location. Um, everything from, you know, when you're first getting started, you don't have a lot of income or a lot of money and you don't, you know, necessarily spend a lot of money on doing sample albums or, um, any sort of marketing or you spend a lot of time figuring out structure and emails and, like all the stuff that goes into the business side. And so for her, we were able to go from zero to a hundred very, very quickly to say, this is your structure. It's already set up. There's already predetermined emails that are going to go out to your clients. 
Um, we just customized everything for her. Uh, we're going to help her develop her new website look. So all of that kind of stuff is stuff that can take years to refine and definitely months of time to just do and figure out trial and error, tons of that. So that's really the, the biggest piece of what we're involved in doing with her now as she's the newest member of the team, which of course we did for each of the photographers when they came on. Yeah. So you've kind of built that structure and, and workflow and all of that over the years of your experience of running your studio. And then you've taken that now and being able to apply it to, um, no, no, you're not calling them associate photographers, right? That's kind of the term that's generally used in the industry, right? As associate photographers, but you're not a big fan yeah. of that term. I'm not. Um, we call them team shooters. And one of the things, you know, I, I had in the presentation that I think is, really true is that we call it a boutique team. So in a boutique team, like each photographer is recognized as an artist, not an understudy. And like, I really believe that's the key to having a successful, if you want to call it associate business, we call it team structure. So, and for instance, like um, there's a shoot and share competition going on right now. It already happened and they had all the votes and they're just announcing winners right now. Well, um, Rachel just got 19th place out of 2,800 submissions on on the shoot and share contest, and they're still announcing some. Apparently, Jess and I are still in the running in there too, so we're hoping we'll show up in you know the top 10 somewhere. But that is a really important part of what we do is making sure that each of our photographers is striving to be the best in the industry no matter what. And if you're an understudy, you're just trying to learn what the other person's doing and do it well enough to represent their brand. But there's a lot of, you lose a lot of that like personal validation that comes with being an artist and continuing to hone your craft. Yeah. Interesting. There's probably, we could probably go into it. I, I think I want to have you back on to, to talk just specifically about kind of this whole program and kind of some of the, I guess the, go into more detail and drill down into some of it. Cause I think it's an important topic and I think it's, we're starting to see a little bit more of it. I, I went to Melissa Jill's presentation at WPPI and she talked also about building an associate team. And there was, there was, mm -hmm. a, there was probably three, 300 people at our presentation and lots of great questions. So it seems to be, you know, uh, something that's growing for a lot of people. Cause again, I think Robert, you mentioned you kind of have a lower, a lower end package. Um, have you ever thought about bringing on additional people on your team to kind of capture maybe some of those weddings when you're either booked or maybe they're coming in and they want something a little bit, they want something a little bit more affordable than they, maybe they can't afford the full Robert Evans experience, but they still want, they want the Robert Evans experience, but maybe they can't afford Robert to have Robert Evans doing the actual shoot. Have you considered? Yeah, I mean, I've done it in the past, um, and of course, maybe I wasn't executing it correctly, but I've I've had trouble um, making that work because people's attitude it seems like if they can't have me, they don't want me, or they don't want anything else. Um, I, I had a photographer that worked with me for a while, you know, full time in my studio was studio manager, and um, when it started to work, you know, after that time was uh, after a year or so, I mean, worked better when um, we'd get repeat business from sister's weddings or friend's weddings that he had attended with me and second shot with me and then they were familiar with him. Right. So they were already kind of, they, the relationship was already there a little bit. So there was that trust factor. 
right. was kind of already built and established. So, Sarah, I want to ask you before we kind of, because we've been going for a little while now, I don't want to run too long, otherwise people find us, if it's too long, they tune us out, so we got to wrap things up here <laughs> a little bit. But I want to ask you, what are, really quickly, one or two of lessons that you've learned from kind of building your team that you, if, if other photographers are considering, you know, going the same route and building a bit of a, a team like this, what are some, some of the top two things you've learned, maybe mistakes you've made or things that you've learned that you would change or do differently? Um, I, th- I think that the first thing I would say is to make sure you have your financials dialed in because as you add more photographers, if you aren't setting up your finances right and how you're paying them and, and really what you're paying for in your studio, you just multiply that issue by three. So <laughs> that's definitely something that I think is really important. Um, we put together a financial spreadsheet at, for the, the, people in the cl- in our class and I think it's probably one of the most valuable pieces of information I've ever done just because it's really important for people kind of have that have an understanding of what's going on in their finances. And the other thing I would say really is I mean finding the right people is the key um, and everybody wants to know how to find them. I wish I had like the secret potion to kind of give you but you're you're looking for certain for certain qualities for me I was looking for somebody who had a similar style a similar personality um, but some strengths in different areas than I had as well um, and someone who who wanted to grow and wanted to have that team um, personality because our team really really works as a team like they we all help each other it's not me and then a bunch of people that I have to help Jessica and Rachel are extremely close and do a lot together and help each other a ton shoot together all the time and Kira has just now become part of that fold and seeing how how valuable that is so I think really besides what I already talked about of having artists instead of understudies I think those are really the keys that I've found awesome that's good. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think we can go deeper on this topic, and it'd be great to have you back on and, and really drill down into this topic. And uh, maybe we can even bring Melissa Jill on in that show as well, because she has maybe a, a slightly different approach than the way you've done it. It'd be interesting to get kind of the different opinions and different thoughts on I would love that. Like, her and I saw each other on the showroom floor, and um, it's really funny, but we went, my whole team went to her class um, two years ago. And uh, it was so interesting to see the similarities and the differences. They have stark differences from us, but also have really funny similarities. They even coming down to like people's names and they have like a Jessica. I think they had, they had like a blonde version. So it was kind of funny when we were like, that is so crazy, but they do associate structure very different than we do. They uh, are, their photographers are allowed to shoot their own weddings under their own brand. So I would love to, kind of hear how that is for her and and talk more about the differences that would be fun yeah i think that'd be a fun show so we'll get uh, get both of you on hopefully at a future point and, and talk about that so awesome um okay let's move on because i think we've kind of run a little like i say we've run a little bit long so we've got a quick listener question this week and i'm hoping maybe one of you guys uh has some experience with this uh I do not, because I do not know, being a Canadian, um, I do not know what this is, but uh, we've got a listener question from Sarah, not 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 you, Sarah, a different Sarah, um, and her question was, I just had a bride from last year ask me if I would fill out a W-9 form for her taxes. Has anyone else ever been asked to do this? 
So I guess, do either of you know what a W9 form is? And do you have any advice for Sarah? (laughs) Yes. I do know what a W9 is. It's so that they can write you off as a contractor, 1099, right? You have to, because we do W9s for our own employees, or for our own 1099 contract. So legally, the bride really can't do that because it's not a business. I mean, she probably paid for it out of her business. I've had clients do the same thing to me. Um, and I've had my accountant say, just throw it away. It doesn't mean anything. But um, the way a W-9, you know, if you hire a, a subcontractor, like Sarah said, um, you know, I hire an assistant, and that assistant uh, shoots 10 jobs for me, uh, our second photographer over the years, and they earn $30,000. I have to they have to give me a W-9, basically, and I then in return send them a 1099 at the end of the year saying that they earned $30,000 for me. And that they they are, I'm saying to the government, I paid this person $30,000 uh, as a subcontractor to me. This person is responsible for paying you the tax on that $30,000 income. Okay. They're an independent contractor or they have their own business or whatever. Now, for a bride to send that to you, um, yes, maybe she, she's basically trying to get off the hook by uh, not paying the ten thousand dollars she charged, you know, for her photography bill. But that technically isn't right. That's a personal expense. It's not a write-off. Uh, so I would say again, none of us are accountants, and and uh, Sarah, the question asker, you should go out and uh, talk to a bookkeeper or an accountant and see what they say, and that's always the best source of advice. Excellent. Sarah, do you have anything to add for Sarah? No, that would have been my advice. If you need a, a lawyer, we can we can put contact <laughs> down below, but I've been advised to not give legal advice. That was basically what my lawyer said. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Well, hopefully that helps uh, Sarah with her question. Of course, if you have a question, we want to hear from you. Just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com. You can leave questions there. You can leave questions on our Facebook group, um, or you can use good old-fashioned email. Uh, send us an email at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. All right, so before we wrap things up, we've got our last segment, which is our picks of the week. Uh, Each episode, we'll share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our picks can be anything as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business of photography. And Sarah, we're going to let you go first. I think we've already, maybe, I know you and Robert have both alluded to your picks this week, but uh, go ahead. What's your pick for us this week? Yeah, so my my pick this week is Show It Sites, and um, we talked about it a little bit, but Show It 5, the new release, and being able to really adjust. You can see on the screen, like, what you're doing on the web, and right next to it, there's a phone view, so you can see what's changing on the phone view, and you can adjust and change the phone view uh, for mobile. And they say now, I think it's something like, 60% or 66% or something crazy like that of people are viewing your website on a mobile device. So it's very important to make sure that that's dialed in. So that's why I made show it my, my pick of the week and I'm really impressed with what they're doing and their design um, capabilities. We've been using them for years and they're really the easiest that we've found and most customizable for, for building out sites that are unique. Awesome. And they offer, they're kind of like an all-in-one, right? They offer the hosting and the design kind of all-in-one uh-huh. service? Yeah, they do. We is do. Our, are our good friends still involved with that, Sarah? Um, I don't think so. He Well, I know they split like about a year ago, and um, 
So Todd is the one really in charge of show at sites. Uh, he was at WPPI at the booth, and he's the one who kind of runs the show there. Got it. <laughs> Do you see my? <laughs> see how that goes. Ah, runs the show. I see what you did there. (laughs) Runs the show and show it. Nice. Mr. Evans, what have you got for us this week? A new piece of gear. Yeah, I'm, you know, always whoring out Sony, but I think you you really have to go see the the new A6300. I mean, if if you're thinking about getting into Sony, uh, that's the camera. You know, start with the $1,000 camera. And, uh, I mean, it's the world's fastest autofocusing camera I mean, it's amazing, and I've really just gotten to shoot with it a little bit. Uh, I just received one myself, and I haven't taken my personal one out to shoot it yet, but I'm about to. Nice. I I was I just wanted to add on to that, Robert. That um I I've been super impressed to see the Sony's new cameras and the new lenses and stuff that they've come out with. It's been really awesome, and one of my good friends. David Manning made the switch about six months ago, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he had all of his gear stolen, and he was like, I'm going Sony. <laughs> so <laughs> um, he made the switch, and I've been really uh, impressed to kind of see just the buzz and how everything's been going and excited for them that uh, things are, you know, going the way that they are. Well, the new lenses are awesome, too, the G Master lenses. But, I mean, just, just sticking to the camera, if you're just thinking about <laughs> you know, getting a camera or thinking about Sony, it's a very inexpensive way to get in. Well, and yeah, I mean, obviously I'd probably go with the, with the higher end, is it A7II-R? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably go with that one, but I didn't even, I mean, I didn't realize initially that you could use Canon lenses on it. So I think that's one of the biggest things because I can get a Sony body and use it and, still use my Canon lenses, or if I want to, I can switch and use some of their lenses if I ended liking their 85 better or yeah, something. And I mean, I think that's the toughest thing for photographers. You know, I have all this glass. You know, that's the, the biggest barrier to the switch. Um, but to clarify, uh, Canon lenses don't fit on Sony bodies. You do need some sort of adapter. Metabones uh, makes an adapter, which is one of the bigger company names. And, and I've heard a few people say it works really amazingly. Uh, you can use your Canon lenses and or your Nikon lenses if you're an Nikon shooter um, with the full range of metering and autofocusing and everything with these adapters. And I believe they're roughly in the four to $500 range for a Metabones adapter. And that's a really that does make it a lot a lot better, and I think it'll make a huge difference for Sony. I haven't, I of course have not tested everything out myself yet, so, um, but I'm just excited about the buzz. Yeah, no, I am too. I had a chance to sort of briefly look at them at that W guy, and it was uh, impressive what I saw. So, so my pick of the week this week um, is an update from a product that I've picked before, and that's uh, Fundy. And they released or they announced version 7 of their album design software. And it's going to be coming out uh, fairly soon. I can't wait to get my hands on it. We actually uh, sat down and interviewed Andrew Funderberg at the booth and learned a little bit more about what they have designed. So it's got a whole new interface for image browsing. 
Uh, it has some really cool features and some really powerful auto um, album design features that are pretty powerful. It can pick up keywording and things like that. So you can do some keywording and tagging in Lightroom and then have it pick that up in the album design software and you can choose kind of, uh, you know, how you, which images are going to be sort of the, the key images on the page and it can do some really cool stuff and he designed an album literally in, in a couple of minutes uh, with the new auto design and it did a really good job of it. So I was pretty impressed with some of the new features coming with uh, Fundy album designer version 7. So that's coming out soon. So that's my pick of the week this week. That's a great one too. Yeah. I like your guys' picks of the week. Great job. Good picks, everybody. Excellent. I think, whose was the cheapest? I think, I don't know. I think mine might have been the cheapest. Bundy. We'll see. Bundy, yeah, <laughs> probably. And so worth it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. With how time much time saver. you can save, one yeah. album is worth it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, whether it's Fundy, they're listening, or Smart Albums, which I actually walked up and pitched the side of them and he sort of poo-hooed it. But I think if they took that concept and put the images in a cloud, so in other words, you had two trays. You had one tray with every single image that you delivered to the client, and then the other tray with the images that the client picked or that you clicked. You design it, you do a design, and then you send it to the client and give the client the ability to just change out images so we don't have to go back and forth with all those emails and changes. Oh. I think the reason they poo-hooed it is the only reason I can think of, which is like I don't want clients to know how easy it is to do the design. <laughs> like, well, I, just want them, I don't want them to be able to change the design. I want them just to be able to change the image. Half the time when they pick them, you know, they say, here's all the images that I want, and then I do a design, and they're like, oh, but I want to switch this with this, and this with this, and this with this. And then we'll go back and forth, like, several times on that one. So just, mm, just, just yeah. yeah. Interesting. I do love the Fundy Direct now that they have, though, too, which is because we use Fineo for our album, so you can you can go straight to print after it's been improved, which is yeah. really nice. Yeah, that can be a big time saver for sure. Yeah, just kind of click the button and away you go. So. Bye. Lots of good stuff. Excellent. Well, that brings us sadly to the end of, of another episode, but we're so glad that Sarah was able to, to join us on this episode, and we're going to have her on future episodes. So don't worry. We'll have more of Sarah. <laughs> but we want to, uh, of course, thank our, our sponsors for their support and remind you to send in your questions for the show and share your thoughts by commenting on the blog post for this episode. So where can everybody go to kind of keep up with you guys uh, and what you're up to? What have you got coming up in the next little while, Miss France? Um, you can always find me on my website, sarahfrance.com, or francephotographers.com is our team site. Um, Instagram, we post a lot there, and Facebook, of course. Um, I don't plan on being any specific location other than Austin, Texas. So, <laughs> But if you are a photographer in Austin, Texas, and you want to be a part of a team, we're looking for two more photographers out there. So hit me up. Excellent. <laughs> Sarah, are you, you going to make them guess at what your Instagram is, or are you going to tell them? I was going to make them guess. I mean, I think it's probably pretty easy, right? <laughs> Sarah Sarah France is my Instagram. Um, I'm Sarah France on Facebook or France Photographers on Instagram or on Facebook. And that's Sarah without an H. Thank you. Yes. I always forget about that. I think H's are ew, so H I always forget ew. about that. Ew, H, ew. Sarah without an H. <laughs> Thank you for getting that, Robert. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Evans, where can people find you at? And much like Sarah France, I like the simplicity of my name. So uh, my website is at or robertevans.com, Instagram at Robert Evans, Twitter at Robert Evans. 
And my Facebook page is Robert Evans Studios. Excellent. Good stuff. And that's Robert with a T. That's right. <laughs> and a silent H and a... No. <laughs> E-V-A-N-S, not E. Yes, E-V-A-N-S, exactly. And if you're looking for me, uh, you'll find me over at my website, momentsindigital.com, or I'm on all the usual social networks, uh, at Bruce Clark, and it's Clark with an E at the end of Clark. So we all have these weird things with our names, so we just got to make sure we let people know what they are. Everybody always forgets the E off of mine at the end of my name. But E's are, E's are not you. E's are, no. E's are good. So. Just E's are sure. everything. Yeah. And, of course, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com for this show and all the other great shows on the TWIP network. And thanks again for listening to TWIP Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. <laughs>